Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. My name is Chris, and if you're here with us for the first time today, thank you so much for joining us. We do ask that you fill out a newcomer card. There's some in the seat. We would love to connect with you. Um, and um, uh, today, I don't have a PowerPoint. Um, just we had a lot going on today, so I wasn't able to like Superman that thing. You know, I've got I've got limited capacity. I try. I mean, I tell you what, I try. Um, but what? Uh -huh. <laughs> wow. All right. So um, uh, I'm excited for what the Lord wants to talk about today because he's going to talk to us today about how do we hear God? How do we hear God? How many of you know we need to know how to hear God? I, I had a, we just had this amazing Schweitzer ski men's retreat and it uh, was amazing. It was really, really good. And God began showing up in some kind of unusual ways. In ways that many of us would be like, mm, that's a little weird. In fact, I had to do some biblical teaching so that people didn't freak out and run away. At one point, because God was moving powerfully and people were like, what is going on? We're, this is not their culture. It's not where they're from. And so I said, okay, let's just let's dig in the word for a minute. Let me teach you some things from scripture. And they're like, oh, that makes sense. Never saw that before, right? And so, um, so oftentimes when God is on the move and he's doing something, we need to have a grid, right? We got to have a grid to ground it. We have to understand what the Word of God says so that what's happening can be grounded. How many of you have been watching what's happening in, happening in Kentucky? Yes, yes, I hear in the back. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Asbury College. People are hungry to encounter the presence of God. Are you? Thank you, Jim. Revival Idaho. I, I really strongly believe that God is, God is, uh, I'm just going to skip my notes for a minute because I feel like the Lord wants to speak into something. Um, in Revelation 3, God is talking to these different churches. And he's speaking to what they called the lukewarm church. And he says to the lukewarm church, he says, look, you're not hot. You're not cold. I kind of want to spit you out of my mouth. That's a harsh word from Jesus. And he says this, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. And that's been one of the marks of Hasbury. It's people just confessing their sin and repenting. One of my good friends, Peter DeWitt, got the privilege. He drove three hours from Columbus, Ohio, down to Asbury College and went and checked it out. Like, he's a pastor. He, he's prophetic. He sees and he's like, it's pure there. It's pure. People are just hungry for God and they're repenting and they're crying out for his presence and they're worshiping God. It's pretty cool. I got some people angry that they were not preaching in uh, King James Version, and uh, the fact that some women were talking was a real problem for a couple good old boys down there. But um, let me just say, I'm not worried about either of those things. I do not prefer the King James Version. 
okay? Just saying. Um, but listen to this. He says, that Jesus is saying, I love you, therefore I'm going to rebuke and chasten. If you can't hear God, can you hear his rebuke? No, no you can't. How are you chastened by God if you don't hear? It's very difficult. It's hard. It's hard. So listen to this. Verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. The purpose of hearing God is to have relationship with God. It is to know what he's saying and for there to be a dialogue from spirit to spirit. God is interested in more than just your good works. And he's way more interested in a relationship with you than your good intentions. I mean, that's how the world works. Well, I meant to do good, so it must be fine. No, in fact, that's actually ruining our nation. So, to the lukewarm church, he says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, say, here's my voice. And opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him. And I, I love that Jesus wants to eat some food with us. And we got a potluck today. So, Jesus, come. Come on. We got pie. Lois. I swear to the Lord. Oh, who said? Oh, Kim said it? I thought Lois said it. I'm like, girl. <laughs> uh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He's standing at the door of your heart, and he's knocking, and he wants to speak to you today. He wants to, and for some of us, it might be some correction that he wants to give you, but that's between you and Jesus. It ain't going to come from the pulpit. What, what is going to come is that I pray, and, and we're going to pray, but I pray that you hear the voice within the voice. I pray that the Spirit of God knocks on your heart as I speak, because I'm just a vessel, and I'm praying that God uses the words that come out of my mouth in order to speak to the Spirit that is alive in you. And if your Spirit is dead in you, I pray that God makes it alive. So, Father, I thank you so much for your word this morning. I thank you that you are here. I thank you that you are interested in every heart and every mind in this place today. I thank you, God, that your blood was shed on the cross for their redemption, forgiveness of their sins, for the awakening of their soul. And Father, I pray that for every person here that has been struggling with knowing who they are, knowing what they believe, knowing where they're at, that by the end of the day, they would hear your voice and that your voice would call them into the highest places of heaven that you have established for them to sit at the right hand of the Father with Jesus. And Father, I pray that souls be saved. I pray that our hearts be revived. I pray that our minds align with your word today in Jesus name everybody said amen. amen and amen if you have your Bibles turn with me to first Samuel chapter 3 first Samuel chapter 3 Samuel was a one of the greatest prophets ever known in the Old Testament Israel still to this day says this Samuel was the greatest prophet in all of Israel better than Elisha better than Elijah why because he was originally a priest, training to be a priest, who became a priest and a prophet and 
establish the kingdom. He's the one who appointed Saul. Right? And he's the one who warned him, you don't want to go this way. This is not going to end well for you. So we see this beautiful picture in the first couple chapters of 1 Samuel of Samuel's mom, Hannah. Hannah is hungry to have a child. And she's unable to give birth. And she is weeping at the altar in the temple so profusely that the high priest come by and goes, I think she's drunk because she's so hungry to have a child, so desiring a child. And so she makes a deal with God. God, if you give me a child, he'll be yours, and I'm going to give him fully to you. And then comes Samuel, who is this child of promise, who ends up becoming the greatest prophet ever in the nation of Israel. So what we're going to see today in uh, chapter 3 is Samuel's first interaction with God. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. I'm going to read them out of the New King James Version because it's what I'm most familiar with. Now, the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare. Say rare. rare. It was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was and while Samuel was lying down that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. Now, come on, kid. It's time to go to sleep. So, and he went and lay down. And then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. I don't know any other parents that are like, dude, I want to go to sleep. Just go lay down. <laughs> then the Lord called yet again. Yep, it says in verse 7, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Like, listen, dude, I know that you called me. Now, I'm just going to stop here because I need to, need to just explain one thing. The voice of God will sound oddly familiar to you. It was God's voice, but who did he think it was? Eli. I tell a lot of people, sometimes the voice of God will sound just like you. In your head, what you think your voice is and what you think it might sound like. God, God is very interested in speaking into your heart and your life. And he's going to do it in ways that you can hear it. Mike, this is God. Like, it's generally not how it works, right? 
So we'll talk a little bit more about it. But um, I, I love that fact that he kept thinking it was Eli. Like he couldn't discern it was God. Right? So Eli, then he says this. Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy, verse 9. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down and it shall be. If he calls you that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. The NIV in the New Living Translation says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. For your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears, at which both ears, wait, yep, yep. Servant hears, Samuel went down, laid down, verse 10. The Lord came and stood and called at, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel answered, speak for your servant hears, your servant's listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, and I love this, behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Whew. Come on. Yeah. Well, that wasn't good because it was judgment on Eli's sons, but um, <clears throat> the ears tingled. Um, so as we explore this a little bit today, I'm, I'm here to tell you that God's plan for this year, for 2023, is that he wants us to come together and together take territory from the enemy. The, the coming together is synergy. It means that there is Something produced that is greater together than we could ever do on our own. And he wants to take territory through synergy. And because of that, I believe that God wants us all to hear God so we can take territory from the enemy. Everyone was made to hear God. You are uniquely fashioned and designed to hear the voice of God. Everyone was made to receive revelation from God, a deeper understanding, a deeper meaning. He's, he made us to discover deep things. And what are the ways that we hear him? What are ways that you hear God and receive revelation from God? I'm just going to ask some of y'all out there that are bold. How do you hear God? Just popcorn. That's like boom. Read his word. Music. Draw. It's a thought. that just, I just got hit with a thought. That might be God. Worship. Still small voice. Other people. Okay. Cool. Yeah, there's lots of ways that God likes to speak. I'm going to give you two up front here, okay? Number one, we heard the word of God, Scripture. Pretty safe one. The reason why it's safe is because God wrote it. It's been written and it has been preserved. I love it. Archaeology is in the business of proving the Bible right over and over and over again. They keep trying to prove it right. Keep proving it right. Forty authors, most of whom didn't know each other, all with the same theme. The same thing, like the same thing. Thousands of years separating authors. Same thing. Same story. I mean, we can't keep a news article the same week by week today. And we're, we're, in, the, we're in the information age. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. 
Woo! Oh, 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 Jesus, we just thank you for bringing truth today. All right. So um, it's really interesting because when we talk about the word of God, there's two words primarily. There's lots of words for the word word. But one of the words for the word word is the word logos. Okay, one of the words for the word word is the word logos in the Greek, right? And it's kind of where we get the word logo from. It's this, it's the, it's firm, it is solid, it is a word that is spoken. And that is uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, right? Tells us about this revelation of God's written word, saying all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It's good for doctrine, it's for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the written word of God, the logos of God, the identity of God, written which we know John 1, 1 says that Jesus was the word and the word was with God and the word was God right? So we understand that Jesus is the revelation of God breathed through the scriptures that's good for teaching. It's good for reproof. All scripture is God-breathed. His written word is God-breathed. Now, I love apologetics, and I love that, that oftentimes, so apologetics is a study of defending the faith, and, and I love that sometimes people go, well, it's been changed here, it's been changed there. I'm like, Let's have that conversation. I mean, great. God can defend his own word. I don't need, like, great, let's pick it apart. Let's pick it apart. That's great. If your heart's open, you're going to see the reality of this smooth thread that goes through the whole thing. But if your heart is hard toward God, you're going to see, like, oh, no. Like, oh, there's only 2,500 prophecies in the Bible, and 2,000 have already come to pass. but it's missing punctuation marks in the Dead Sea Scrolls. What? (laughs) Sorry. Just trying to put it in context. All right, the second way that his word is spoken, because his word is important, second way is through what we call rhema, which is a word. It's It's another word for the word word is rhema. And that word, that word rhema means revelation. It means that it's something that is spoken and breathed out. It is something that is a fit word for a moment. Listen to this. It's the Holy Spirit um, in classical like theological training, the Holy Spirit, one of the Holy Spirit's major functions is in what we call the doctrine or the teaching of illumination, lighting things up. So the Holy Spirit's role is to, for when you read the scriptures, that it lights it up to you. Anybody ever experienced that? So, so they, you know, theologians, we got to give it a name. We got to get say, oh, that's a doctrine, right? Doctrine of illumination, right? And I'm not talking about Pixar. Okay, so this doctrine of illumination says that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you as you read the scriptures, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you his truth. 
And we see that Jesus talks about this in John 16. He says, I will pray the Father. He will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So the Holy Spirit will reveal truth in you. He dwells in you, and the Holy Spirit, as you read the Scriptures, will give you rhema understanding, rhema word of knowledge, word of understanding concerning what the Scripture says just for you. Praise God for that. I love, like, having read the Bible so many times, and I'm still blown away by some facet that I never saw before. It's because the Holy Spirit is lighting it up. Now, the spoken word of God in our life produces faith. So the word of God produces faith. And this is really important. Romans 10, 8 through 11. And it's one that we're familiar with. Um, You may or may not, but I'm assuming some might be familiar with. But what does it say? The word, the rhema, is near you and in your mouth and in your heart. That is the rhema, the word of faith, which we preach. That if... You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. That's cool. I love it. So I get to believe in Jesus, and that, that, that word spoken, I believe, is a rhema, it is a word of faith. Rhema produces faith in you. So when you go to the scriptures and it's being illuminated and, and you're like, oh, I'm seeing some new aspect of God or something that's got a shift in my life, that's a rhema word for you. That's the word that produces faith inside of you. It's producing faith inside of you. Now listen to verse 17 of Romans chapter 10. It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you hear the word, it should produce faith. Why is that important? It is really hard to receive revelation from God if you don't believe. If you don't believe, this is a great conversation, and I hope it makes you hungry to hear God. Because if you don't know God, if you, if, if you haven't encountered the voice, today is a great day for you to consider giving your life to Christ so that you can hear the voice for yourself. I love the fact that we can trust the word of God. Romans 29, 23 uh, is a chapter where there's an Old Testament prophet named Balaam. And Balaam um, got hired by King Balak to curse the Israelites. And uh, it didn't work out so well. Um, in fact, Balaam um, like was being prevented by God from cursing the Israelites. And so he like, tries running away. And uh, his donkey is stopped by an angel. His donkey sees an angel. And the, the donkey, he's kicking the donkey, he's smacking the donkey. He's like, come on, let's go. And the donkey turns around and goes, do you not see this angel? 
the donkey speaks to, to Balaam, right? That's how you say, you know, hey, God can use a donkey to preach, okay? So what's interesting here is that he goes to the King Balak and he's like trying to, he's like, I can't curse him. God won't let me. And what does he end up saying? God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? He's going to do what he's going to do. You can't curse God's people. You can't pay me to do it because God's pretty uncursable. Has he spoken and will he not make it good? He's good. He follows through with what he says he's going to do every time God does. I love that. Romans 23, or I'm sorry, Numbers 23, 19. That whole passage is great. One thing that I'm, I'm also reminded about scriptures is that you need to understand that God wrote all of that down for our benefit, right? It's good for teaching. It's good for, for reproof, correction, all that kind of stuff. Romans 14 says it this way. 15, I'm sorry, says it this way in verse 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures may have hope. Like we get hope because of what the scripture says. Because it's there so we can learn. Okay. All right. So how are we going to hear God? Can we just establish? Primarily, what, what my hope is that you get to know the scriptures because it is God's, it's not just a love, it's a love letter. Uh, it's an instruction manual. It's a um, fix-it manual. It's a, like whatever, whatever kind of you need it to be, it will be for you. Right? Because it reveals who God is. It reveals what God wants to do. It reveals his heart for you. It reveals who Jesus is. It's the revelation of God in written form. And I just think you got to chew on it. you got to memorize it. you got to meditate on it. you got to get it in you. Why? Romans 12 says that we should be renewed by the transforming of our mind. And so get scripture in you so that you can have a renewed mind. Let's just, I'm just going to set that scripture piece. I'm going to set it over here because I hope that for everybody understanding everything that I say from here on out, it's got to line up with the scriptures, but we're going to get crazy for a minute. Okay. Cause some of us hear God in weird ways. <laughs> Jim. Woo. <laughs> What are we missing, right? We got scriptures. If you're in Christ, he's given you his spirit as a gift. The reason why I want to talk about all the other ways that God talks is because we need discernment, church. We need discernment. And sometimes we are sorely lacking it because we got a feeling. We lack discernment because I'm overwhelmed with something and now I throw discernment out the window. We have a hard time telling the difference between the Holy Spirit speaking to us and our selfish desires at times. Sometimes the enemy's whispering and you go, oh, that must be God because I like that. You think I'm kidding? We do it. Man, we are really good at making God say what we want him to say at any given moment so I can get what I want. <laughs> that phone rang at the wrong time. That was ding, ding, ding. I was like, Lord, don't say amen to that. I'm like, all right. 
In order to take territory, we have to discern what God is saying. It produces faith. When we know what he's saying, it produces faith. It produces energy. We have to hear God, but then if we're going to hear God, then we have to act on it. We have to do something with it. Right? This was James' big complaint. Great, you have faith, but if you don't act it out, if there's no works, then your faith is actually dead. Right? So, what I want to just put, hopefully, in a good context, I'm going to go over four areas that I believe we need growth and discernment so you can understand how to hear the Lord really, really well. Right? Because we need to come to the Lord like Samuel. Speak, Lord, your servant's listening. We need to be able to discern the voice. See, he couldn't discern the voice until there came a moment where he knew how to redirect his response to what he was hearing. And sometimes we need to redirect our response. Like we're hearing all types of stuff. So I tell people this all the time. You see God doing something. You sense God doing something. Stop and ask God, what are you doing? Because it's very easy to judge it. I'm watching all these people judge what's happening at Asbury, but I don't know if they stopped and said, God, what are you doing here? We don't have discernment because we want things to tickle our ears so that we do what we want to do. Instead of discerning, okay, God, I, I'm picking this up. What, what is it that you're doing in that, like, Run. Oh, okay. I need to get away from that. But we're not taking the time to discern. So, can we have the heart of Samuel? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. The first arena I want to talk about today, and I'm hoping to pop some Holy Ghost bubbles and, uh, and, you know, sacrifice some sacred cows on some altars. Um, yeah, get the barbecue out. Can we just talk about our emotions for a minute? Can we talk about our emotions for a minute? They're good and they're necessary. God created you emotionally. He created you to have emotions. Emotions inherently are good. They're horrible leaders. They are not meant to drive the bus. They're not. Now, emotions are, to me, they're like kind of like clues, right? Like, oh, I should be aware of this. It might be a sign, right? Emotions might reveal some things. You can... It might reveal your heart, it might reveal traps, it might reveal wounds, it might reveal issues, it might reveal, your emotions might reveal fears, it might reveal hope, it might reveal desires, it can reveal a whole lot of things. They're not to be your guide. Don't live your life following your emotions. You can deceive yourself. Can you deceive yourself? Okay, I just need one amen through that whole series. Can, can you deceive yourself? Okay, great. I'm like, let me get this question real simple. All right. And what's horrible about deception is that when you're deceived, you don't know it. If you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. 
And in fact, you're probably got a list of reasons to defend yourself and justify why you should be fine. I'm not deceived. Let me tell you all the reasons why I'm fine. There's only one reason you made a list. Because <laughs> you got to defend something that's off. It's not right. Are we doing all right? Okay, cool. So, when you're led by your emotions, you can deceive yourself and others, and the enemy is happy as a clam to prod your emotions to get you out of the will of God. If he can use your emotions to get you to go in the wrong direction, he is happy as a clam. Oh, you mean every time I get closer to my calling, I feel tension and I feel anger or I feel betrayal and I'm like preemptively being rejected before anybody's actually rejected me? I'm feeling all of this stuff because I'm pursuing my calling and I'm stepping into the place and now there's warfare and there's battle and I go, this doesn't feel good. I'm going to go hide. And we go run away from the breakthrough that we're just on the precipice of. Like, we're right here. Like, the tension is good. Tension, embrace it. Lean into the awkward. Lean into the tension. Lean into the uncomfortable instead of running away from it. This is the place where your breakthrough is. Okay? Every time you run away, you shortcut the will of God on your life. Get okay with being uncomfortable. Let the Spirit of God become a comforter to you. Let him speak to you. One of the things that's really amazing about this process is that our emotions, if the enemy can stir up our emotions enough, not only will we shortcut ourselves, but we'll try to find a friend to take with us. We'll try to find a friend. Now, your emotions are going to reveal a lot, but remember, and, and I'm going to give context for this verse because it's scripture, it's biblical. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? What's he talking about there? Some people are like, but that's not good. It's not good to say that your heart is, uh, what is it, uh, deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Listen, the heart in the Jewish context, the heart was your soul. This is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And let me tell you, without Jesus, your heart, your soul is broken and twisted because of sin. And we are in a healing process. If you're in Christ, now you get a new life. He gives you a new heart. This was Old Testament revelation about life before the blood of Jesus. Can we put it in context, please? But remember... Your emotions can mislead you. Okay, God, I'm feeling this. What are you telling me? What are you doing? I have wept hours before the Lord in prayer. I've sought God and felt the spirit of intercession and began seeking God for my family. I began seeking God for breakthrough and revival in this church. I've laid on this carpet and spent hours in filling my tears in the, in the threads of this carpet with, with all, feeling all the emotion of the brokenness of this town, the brokenness of this region. And I felt it and it's broken me. And I will tell you, that's healthy emotion. It is good to be broken over sin. It is good to intercede. And it is good to be filled with the joy of the Lord. I get nervous around people that don't know sadness. Yeah. 
or won't express like a real emotion. Everywhere they go, ah, I'm great, I'm great, I'm great, I'm great, I'm great, I'm great. I'm like, oh, we got problems. Come on, let's be real for a moment. Nobody gets on that 24-7. You know what's great about being in a family is that hopefully you can be a little bit vulnerable and say, yeah, I was a little bit backwards this week, but I'm doing better. That's a real answer. Man, I had about two mornings this week where I woke up super early and God's telling me to intercede and I'm like, I'm going to intercede with my pillow. I'm arguing with Jesus, you know? Like, that's real. It happens. <laughs> right? And then he wakes me up earlier the next day if I do it. So the heart and your mind, your will and emotions is in a process, and God, thank God for the fact that he has put a new man in you, that he's given you, you the opportunity to live out from a new place, from a new seat, as a son and a daughter of God. So don't ignore your emotions, don't stuff them, and don't let them lead you. They're actually supposed to be actively a part of everything that you're doing. You're supposed to be fully aware of them. You should not ignore them. Like if I'm feeling tension, I actually have to lean into that and go, okay, I don't know what's going on here. I'm feeling awkward. And sometimes somebody's hurt and offended with me and they're pushing me away. I'm like, I don't like the tension in the relationship, but I'm unaware of what I did. So I got to go seek that out. I got to go figure that out. Why? Because God wants us to have healthy relationships with one another. Most of the tension and awkwardness we feel in our life is with another person. So, Lean into those things. Don't ignore them, right? Use it as a sign marker. Use it as a clue. Oh, I got to deal with something and then seek the Lord. Are you guys good with that? All right. So number one was emotions. Number two is counsel. How are we going to gain discernment to hear the voice of God counsel? Can I just say, please check with mentors and trusted peers as you feel like God's given you revelation, check in with some people. You feel like God's called you to do something or move or go somewhere. No one here is going to argue whether or not you heard God. I've heard that. Like, I don't want to tell anybody because they're going to tell me I didn't hear God. If you're not sure that much that no one can question it, we got a big problem. Really big problem. That's pride. That's like high levels of pride that says, you can't question me because I heard God. Is God speaking or you? Because if God's speaking, he might speak it to somebody else. <laughs> Sorry. As a, having pastored for over a decade now, gosh, it hurts to say that, um, I don't, it doesn't feel like it's been that long, is why. I'm like, right? The people that I've seen struggle the most are the people that refuse counsel. I'm just telling you. Humility is a godly character. Pride will prevent you from testing revelation. If God's given you words concerning specific things that he's speaking to you, specific things about what he's wanting you to do, specific things about maybe uh, uh, any, any major decision or anything like that, um, and can I just say you need to...
talk to somebody who's not your spouse because sometimes you guys will deceive yourselves into things because you just bounce stuff off of each other all the time so much and you're so used to each other, you already know what each other is going, where you're thinking it's really good to get a third party involved to maybe check it. Are you sure that's, yep, that's the Lord. No, uh, you might want to just make sure X, Y, and Z is in order first, right? Whatever it is, seek some counsel. If you don't want input, if you don't want what you hear from God to be tested, it is a sign of two things, either spiritual immaturity or you are in deception. If you don't want the word that God gave you to be tested, it usually means you're either immature because you don't understand how counsel actually works. People are afraid to get counsel, especially from a pastor, because they feel like they're going to tell me what to do and they're going to control my life. That's a lie. It's just a lie from the pit of hell. You're always free to do whatever in the world you feel like God's led you to do. Heaven forbid someone might disagree with you. That's immaturity. Because the mature in Christ are okay with disagreements. Because you know what a disagreement does is it makes me go, okay, well, let's seek the Lord harder. Let's, let's keep going. I want to hear God. Let's hear God together. All right. Are we okay? All right. So you're either immature or you're in deception. If it is God, it's okay for people to disagree. This is often the place where the greatest revelation is actually produced is the fruit of the disagreement. Because sometimes I don't see it all, neither does Kevin. And so I'll say like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. Kevin comes alongside and he goes, hey, Chris, you know, when you were saying that, I don't think that that's the thing. I think it's actually this thing. And I go, really? Okay, well, maybe if it's that thing, then that wouldn't be true. And we got to figure that thing out. And we, and we figure it all out. And then we end up over here going, oh. Wow, that prompting that I had and the prompting that Kevin had actually led us down a path of wisdom and now we're in this beautiful place that was where God intended me to be in the first place. And we are going around the mountain over and over and over. We keep experiencing the same problems over and over and over because our pride won't let us submit and bring the revelation to somebody else to get some input and feedback. My most frustrating conversation as a pastor is when people call me and they go, hey, we made this decision and we want you to bless it. No, you, okay. I'll bless you. Because I love you and I'll bless you. I'll always bless. But we need to talk about this decision. You don't want to talk about the decision? I'm still going to bless you. It's hard when people just make decisions, especially life-altering, family-altering decisions. It's like, counsel is healthy. Just so that you know, I've got um, peers and mentors. I've got some peers like Mark Crawford and Peter DeWitt, um, along with several others like Nathaniel White and Tony Portera and Shannon Schreier. Well, now we're moving into to mentors, right? But Peter and Mark are kind of my peers. Like we're, we're really, really good friends. Mark's a bit of a mentor, but we're like best friends. So we talk all the time. It's good. The, the, 
Then I've got mentors like Dave Crone, Shannon Schreier, Pat Wright, Dean Hackett. I've got a multitude of men that speak into my life that I can go to and say, I need counsel. I'm not sure. Now, Dean will not give me the same answer as Dave. They're two different people, two different experiences, but I'm listening for the wisdom of God in each response. Because a healthy mentor isn't controlling, they're empowering. They want me to make the right decision. And guess what? Now they're praying for me. Humility goes a long way to getting to where God has called you to be. All right. Um, I'll I'll say this. If you want to remove deception and and you're unclear on a topic or there's something that's coming up, maybe maybe there's difficulty in your marriage. Well, how about you do a topical study on biblical marriage and just seek the scriptures instead of everybody's commentary? Just go to the word. Just go to the word. What does the Bible say? And let it speak to you. Get some counsel. Do that. But you could do word studies. You could do topical studies in scripture. That'll be super helpful if you're trying to discern what what is it that I'm doing? What is it that God wants me to do? Okay. And lastly, I want to talk about your personal character. How do we gain discernment? Let's focus on our personal character. Check your obedience to what God has already given you. You want revelation? You might not get it because you haven't finished dealing with the last revelation God gave you. God gave you. Your breakthrough is in your follow through. Your breakthrough is in how you follow through with what God gave you. If you don't follow through, it means that there's some character issues that you need to deal with. It means if you drop in balls and you're just like smashing plates instead of letting them spin, whatever your analogy that you want. If you're unable to be honest, if you're unable to follow through, and if you're uh, unable to do it with a heart of forgiveness and openness, Oftentimes, there's unsaid and undone things that God wants to resolve and deal with in your life so that you can look and become more like him. It's really hard to discern revelation when you're a disobedient son. Remember like Revelation 3? I love you, therefore I rebuke you and I chasten you because I love you. Check in with yourself, right? How do we do this? Check in with yourself. Are you at peace with your roles and responsibilities in your life? Are you at peace in Christ with the roles and responsibilities that you have? If you are, that's awesome because that means that you're following through with what God's asked you to do. Praise the Lord. That means that your character's pretty solid. If you're not at peace with your role As a husband and a wife, if you're not at peace with your role in work, if you're not at peace with the responsibilities of the commitments that you make, if you're not at peace with those, then, okay, God, how do you want me to be changed? How do you want to develop me so that I can do that? And I guarantee you, he will give you something to do. He will say, go do this. 
Call that person. Go, he's going to prompt you to do something. Why? Because the ability to have godly character means that you have to exercise your belief in what he says. He's going to ask you to exercise your faith, to strengthen who you are. If you want to build character, you have to build strength. Strength of character is built one obedient moment at a time. That's it. Sometimes it's really hard. It's uncomfortable. Dennis, we've had uncomfortable conversations with people. It's hard. You know, I don't want to have it, but God told me to, so I got to just be obedient. Your breakthrough is in your follow-through. Often we don't hear and we can't discern what's God and what's not because we're still, God's still working on our character while we want revelation. Sometimes you will have a season where God is less interested in giving you fresh revelation. He's more interested in you becoming like him. He's more interested in you becoming like him than giving you another golden nugget of revelation. All right. So we just talked all about discernment. We laid it out. Said, here's what discernment looks like. Right? We need to maybe uh, check our emotions. We need to get counsel. We need to check in with the word of God again. And then lastly, we need to make sure that we are developing and building our character. All right. Now, let me just blanket this out there. Some of you will have dreams. Some of you will have visions. Some of you will hear a still small voice in the back of your head. Some of you will feel something in your body prompting. Like, like every time somebody mentions Africa, you go like, I want to cry. Right? You'll feel something. Listen, God is speaking through every single one of those things. He's speaking through every single one of those things. He's speaking through the time. How many of you have ever looked at the clock and it said 444 and you're like, hmm, that's divine. I mean, people do it all the time. All right, God, what are you saying? I think that we've got to just open our hearts for the Spirit of God to begin to speak to us in ways that we can understand. I'm not interested in dreams and visions if I'm left confused. God, I want to hear in ways, I want you to speak to me so that I can understand what you're saying. That's going to be our prayer for this morning. Listen, when we open the door for God to speak, the reason why I taught so heavily on discernment is because when you open the door for God to speak, guess what? He's going to speak. And we need to, we need to guard our heart. We need to make sure that as God begins to speak to each one of you, you can tell the difference. Because God's going to take you to revelation after revelation after revelation. Why? So that you can look more like Jesus and people get saved. So that you can look more like Jesus and the people, of, people around you begin to be transformed. There's a purpose for hearing God. And it's not just so that you can have a revelation. His revelation always has purpose. Amen? All right, will you stand with me?
close out with some prayer this morning. Thank you, Lord. God, you're really good. You're a good, good father. We are so grateful, God, that you are moving in might and you are moving in power. Father, I thank you for the hearts that, that were committed unto you today in baptism. We ask, God, that you would put a seal over their heart, a seal over their mind. God, I'm asking that you'd begin to pour out in great measure your Holy Spirit that would cause them to rise up and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And God, I'm praying right now that you would open the ears, that you would open the eyes, that you would open the hearts of every single person here today. And God, I'm asking that they would be as Samuel on their bed, saying, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. God, may we open up our hearts. May we open up our minds. May we open up our will, every part of who we are, our emotions, so that we can begin to receive what you are saying. Father, I pray that there would be a, a rich outpouring of humility that says, I don't always know the best. I need to make sure, God, that I'm hearing you well. So, Father, I am asking that every single person here begin to allow their heart to be tested. Allow their heart to be tested by your Spirit, shown glory, shown the glory of the Lord in their heart. Father, your divine perfection, and you decided to have your divine perfection dwelling in broken vessels. So God, I ask right now that, that for each of us, that our broken vessel would be opened, that our, that our areas of brokenness would be healed. God, that those areas where, where we have been confused about you, God, that those areas where we have made excuses, those areas where we've come up with all of our own reasonings and our pride of heart, why, why you're doing what you're doing and why you've said what you've said. Father, I pray that we would humble ourselves and seek you afresh today, that we would humble ourselves and say, God, tell me, what are you doing in that? Instead of our judgments reigning and ruling in our pride, God, give us the humility to test every single word. Give us the humility to ask for counsel. Give us the humility to check our own hearts and to be at peace and to be able to follow through with every little thing that we're asked to do. Church, I'm going to ask that you place your hand on your heart. Place your hand on your heart. And in your own way, just make a full commitment of your heart to Jesus. Give it to him fully. Say, God, I'm going to give you my whole heart today. I give it to you because I want to hear you. And I want to come and have you dine with me. And for me to dine with you, I want a depth of relationship with you, God, so I can hear you clearly. So I can hear you clearly. God, I'm asking right now that you fill every single heart here with your perfect word with the Logos and the Rhema, that you fill us with words of faith that build us up to believe you. Fill, us, fill our hearts full today, God. Fill our hearts full today, God. God, I'm so grateful for every person here. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that they would hear. I want you to begin to ask God to speak to you.
See, God wants to take territory and he wants you to become like him. He's standing at the door and knocking. He wants to come and have dinner and he wants to talk with you. He wants to share things with you. He wants to reveal things about you and about the people around you for the sake of building his kingdom. So just say, Holy Spirit, will you come and speak to me? Just begin to ask him, Holy Spirit, come speak to me. Just take a few moments. If you want to sit down, if you want to um, just take a moment, wherever you are, whatever you're comfortable with, whatever position you feel like you need to get, get in, I'm going to be quiet for just a few moments. And I'm just going to ask that the Holy Spirit begin to breathe on you and begin to speak to you right now. So Holy Spirit, come and begin to speak to every heart. Pay attention to color. If you shut your eyes and all of a sudden you just see like, wow, a flash of green or a flash of... Pay attention to the little things. Pay attention to the little things. And if you can, write them down. God's going to take you on a journey if you start paying attention. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come speak. Your servants are listening. Your servants are listening. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.